one of them around. And, you know, as God's people, uh, we know the Lord has saved us through the blood of Christ. And those of us who have trusted in Christ uh, can rest in that. But yet, we still live, we have to live in this world. And it's a world that, uh, unfortunately, is subject to the whims of people like what we see coming out of Russia today. And, uh, you know, in times like this, it's good to get in God's word and find the assurances that God has given us. He has not left us um, without those assurances. They're here. And let's turn to 2 Kings chapter 18. And uh, we're going to read about uh, another bully, a bully that's written down in the Word of God, and uh, we'll see how that turned out. But uh, these guys, they, they are all the same. They're full of themselves. They think they can do no wrong. And uh, when they get the upper hand, then things really get bad. But you know, thank God that we have a heavenly Father that no man will ever get the upper hand on. And so we can count on the Lord. And we're going to see here tonight when Sennacherib comes against Judea and uh, Hezekiah was on the throne. And uh, so let's begin reading there in 2 Kings chapter 18, the 13th verse. Now, in the 14th year of King Hezekiah did Sennacherib, king of Assyria, come up against all the fenced cities of Judea and took them. And Hezekiah, king of Judea, sent to the king of Assyria, to Lachish, saying, I have offended. Return from me that which thou puttest on me will I bear. And the king of Assyria appointed unto Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver, 30 talents of gold. And Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasures of the king's house. At that time did Hezekiah cut off the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the pillars which Hezekiah, king of Judea, had overlaid and gave it to the king of Assyria. Now, it's said that, Hezek that uh, Sennacherib came with about 185,000 troops. This is what most commentators think he had. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of soldiers in anybody's army. And you can imagine what that must have looked like. All I don't know how many of them were on horseback, maybe all of them. Some of them might have been foot soldiers. But that was a massive army, and... Uh, and you know, when you look and you see Hezekiah taking the gold from the house of the Lord, and you go, what in the world are you thinking? Why are you doing that? But you know, we are all given to our weaknesses and fears and given to the idea, well, maybe if I just, you know, just kind of go ahead and do this, it, this thing will go away and everything will be fine. Now, I think perhaps maybe that's what Hezekiah was thinking. Well, of course, that didn't work. You know, a bully, anytime you give in to a bully, all you do is encourage them. And that's always been the case. And uh, the only thing they understand is power. Uh, you know, and that's unfortunately, uh, <laughs> I think oh, uh, our, our, our present-day bully kind of run into something in Ukraine he wasn't expecting. Those people started fighting back. He found out that... Uh, the Ukrainians weren't the Syrians. He's been over just destroying Syria for the last few years. And uh, the Ukrainians, they, they, they of course, they kind of had a lot of, uh, little head start on this thing. They figured that was going to happen. So they were a lot more prepared than I think of what he thought. But they fought back. And so let's hope and pray that this guy, I've already read some commentaries that he's already lost. I just hope that's the case. Well, that's not the case here with this Sennacherib fellow. Now, he's just gotten all this gold in Syria from Hezekiah. He's got Hezekiah pretty much going his way. 
and uh, of course, all this did was he, was this encouraging. And his and the scripture says in verse seventeen, and the king of Assyria sent Tartan and Rabasars, and forgive me because I'm not the greatest on these names, okay? And Rabshakek from Lachish to King Hezekiah with a great host against Jerusalem. And they went up and came to Jerusalem, and when they were come up, they came and stood by the conduit of the upper pool, which is in the highway of the fuller's field. And when they had called to the king, there came out to them Elohim, the son of Hezekiah, which was over the household, and Shibna, the scribe, and Joha, the son of Asaph, the recorder. Now, you know, you think, okay, here's 189,000 soldiers come to the walls of Jerusalem. You think, well, what are they waiting on? Well, uh, I, I, I've been fortunate enough to, to go over there. And uh, some of the walls that this guy ran into are still there. Not very many of them. And some of those stones are probably about this tall, about three and a half, four feet wide, and some of them are eight feet long. And those walls are, are some of them to be 40 feet tall. So that's not exactly something you're going to run over real fast. I mean, they were very substantial and very strong. And the doors, of course, the gates are very substantial. Even though Sennacherib's got this substantial army, probably the walls of Jerusalem were probably the greatest walls that perhaps have ever been built. Because, I mean, they're still standing over there, some of them. And uh, so that's got this guy at least held back. But, uh, I mean, uh, Hezekiah and the children here of Israel, they're not looking forward to any kind of big war with this guy because in the course of a battle like this, the first thing somebody like old Sennacherib do, he'll start building an embankment against that wall to get where he can just get over it. Some of them use siege towers, which would be a... Just a great big old tower of wood that was 40, 50 feet tall, and they had wheels on. They would roll them up against those walls, and then that's how they would start attacking and getting across into the city. And so there's all sorts of ways that they would attack those cities and uh, terrible bloodletting and, and terrible violence. And so they're not looking forward to any kind of shootout, so to speak, with this guy. Uh, Hezekiah's already tried to give him what he wants, and of course, what he wants is everything they own, including their lives. And so we go ahead there in verse 19, and Rob said unto uh, them, Speak ye now to Hezekiah, thus saith the great, and notice how they always say, the great king, the king of Assyria, what confidence is this wherein thou trustest? Thou sayest, but they are vain words. I have counsel and strength for war. Now on whom dost thou trust that thou rebellest against me? Now behold, thou trustest upon the staff of this bruised reed, even upon Egypt. And they did indeed have alliances with Egypt, on which if a man lean on it, it will go into his hand and pierce it so. So he said, Egypt's nothing but just a little old weed, basically. And you fool around, and about all you're going to do is just get yourself hurt messing around with them. And so this guy's really full of arrogance. I mean, just awful, awful. And, you know, you read this, and you can just see these kind of same words coming from this same guy over there in Russia. Same attitude. And he says, <clears throat> What confidence is this wherein thou trustest? Verse 20. Thou sayest, but they have but vain words. I have counseled and strength for war now on whom thou trust. And he goes on to talk about Egypt being this, this little weed that's going to break and just injure you. Verse 22. But if you say unto me, we trust in the Lord our God, is not that he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away and has said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem. Now, here's his first mistake. Here's his first mistake. Hezekiah has taken all the false gods and places where the children of Israel and the God's people have been worshiping 
in these groves and these high places, false gods. And Hezekiah cleaned all of that mess out and said, you're going to come to the temple and worship the true and living God. Well, Sennacherib misinterpreted that. He thought that Hezekiah was taking away their worship places for their God. So, first mistake. Hezekiah was really directing God's people to worship the true and living God. Hezekiah had done the right thing. Hezekiah had done the thing he should have done in order to be prepared for this, and he did it. He was prepared. He was prepared in a very good way. He had pulled his country to the true and living God and got rid of the false gods. Oh, that we could see that to take place in our country, huh? That we could just make something like that happen. That we could see our country again worship the true and living God. You know, I, I remember uh, watching some newsreel from World War II at the beginning of World War II and, uh, and starting there in England. And the lines to get into the churches were way out the door. Way out the door. And then later, same thing here in the United States. You know, let me ask you a question. Do you think that would happen again here now? I mean, I, God forbid that we should ever have another Pearl Harbor. I hope we never have something like that. And if it did, I, I would think and hope and pray to God that, yes, this place would be full and, and would have to have two or three services. I would hope that would be the case. But to be honest with you, it, it wouldn't surprise me if it wasn't. We've got too many times have we seen so many uh, talking heads on TV about Dr. So-and-so and this guy and that guy and Mr. High IQ and all this kind of stuff, and they've got this stuff all figured out, and they're the experts in the art of war and that and so on and such and such, and, and that's what we're leaning on. You don't, I mean, let me ask you a question. How many times have you seen such and such as that talking about trusting and leaning on the true and living God? You just don't see that much anymore. But unfortunately, but see, that's not the case here. That's not the case here. And I, I want to make sure I really drive this point home because this is important. Their enemy has misinterpreted what Hezekiah's doing. The enemy has misinterpreted the ramifications of what Hezekiah has done. He has brought his people to worship the true and living God in Jerusalem there where the temple and then, verse 23, Now therefore, I pray thee, give pledges to my Lord, the king of Assyria, and I will deliver thee 2,000 horses that thou be able on thy part to set riders upon him. How then wilt thou turn away the face of one captain of the least of my master's servants and put thy trust on Egypt for chariots and for horsemen? Just a, just a real insult. And you, you couldn't even do 2,000 horsemen. You know, it, it, just a real arrogant uh, accusation against him and uh, uh, it, it just full of himself. Well, you know, the, the point is this. This is exactly the way these kind of people are. The world has always had people like that, and we still do. If you don't think so, just call the people in Ukraine right now and ask them. There they are. They're having to put up with just this kind of stuff right here. This exact kind of stuff. And you say, well, what, what, what's the point? The point is this. Um, I don't know what would be the circumstances, but this kind of stuff could very well happen to us under certain circumstances. You say, well, who? I, I don't know. But make no mistake about it. A nation get far enough away, especially a nation who God has delivered mightily. You, I, I don't think most people realize how unprepared the United States was for World War II. We had less than 90,000 men 
in uniform when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. We had soldiers training with sticks. They didn't even have guns. They had wooden guns. They would have a, 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 a van out there with the word tank written on it. They didn't have tanks to, to, to do war games against. We were material-wise, manpower-wise, totally unprepared. Yet, in six months, the United States, through the hand of God, destroyed four capital ships that the Japanese had at the Battle of Midway. Three at the, almost simultaneously, and then the fourth and later on that day. That, that's un, with, with two and a half carriers is all we had. And they had four mainline carriers with numerous battleships and cruisers supporting destroyers. And we just had a ragtag, pulled-together group. God did that. God did that. We hope and pray that our nation would understand that and get back on their knees like they did then. It made a difference, made a huge difference. Well, here is this country here, God's people, being attacked by this huge army. And I want you to listen to this guy because he says a lot of things that's true. He says, verse 25, And now I come up without the Lord against this place. And now... Am I now come up without the Lord against this place to destroy it? The Lord said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. you think that's true? Hardly. Then said Elikim, the son of Hilkiah, and Sheba, Shebna, and Joah, and Rabshakeh, speak, I pray thee, to thy servants in the Syrian language. Now, what God's people is doing is asking this guy, look, speak to us in your language so our people can't understand you. Well, I kind of think that was a foolish thing to ask this guy in the first place because all that did was just kind of poke him with a stick. He says, speak to us in, in your language, for we understand it and talk not with us in the Jews' language, in the ears of the people that are on the wall. Now, this gets rather graphic here, but forgive me. I mean, this is God's word, so I'm going to read it. Just It bears reading because it shows you the kind of person that is standing out there with 185,000 troops. But Rabshakeh said unto them, Hath my master sent me to thy master and to thee to speak these words? Hath he not sent me to the men which sit on the wall that they may eat their own dung and drink their own urine with you? Any idea what he plans for them? Then Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in the Jews' language and spake, saying, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Now, this is a real serious situation. This huge army is outside the gates and filled with this belligerence and arrogance and just itching to get a hold of God's people and, and slay them and spread their blood all over the, the city. And verse 29, Thus saith the king, Let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you out of his hand. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, the Lord will surely deliver us, and this city shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. This is this guy's second mistake. And um, you see the thing, and, and, and you know, it's so good for us to get in God's word when we see bullies, but for geography, they would be in Canada and coming into the United States. Thank God that we got Canadians there and not the Russians. But it's good that we get in God's word and learn 
that God has put this in his word that we might learn to lean upon him, to trust upon him, and always, always put our total confidence in God. And, and it, it's, it's, you know, and this doesn't just apply in war. It applies in everything. I, I know Brother Rick's sitting there, and, and he and I both have started businesses with, with nothing and I say with nothing rather uh, tongue-in-cheek because we had the Lord. And you know what? That's all we needed. Because more than once, over and over and over again, when we get ready to go make a sales call, we ask God to get there first. And he did. And he blessed us. We prospered. Well, and, and, and I want our young people to, to, to know that these are not just things that used to be. This is current. This is how you learn to live your life based on what you see this track record of God. Not Hezekiah, but of God. And that God is your God. He's your Father. And if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can go straight to him. And I want you to listen here tonight when you hear Hezekiah and what he says and what he asks for. And I want you to see what happens. Because I can testify to you that, I mean, me and Diane didn't have 180,000 people show up outside our house. Thank God. But I tell you, you know, when you're married and you've got two babies at the house and you go start a business, that's really scary. Because, you know, you got to get out here and, and, and things need to come together. And boy, and over and over and over again, Brother Rick and I have talked about things in our lives uh, down through the years, how God blessed us. God was there. When things had to be there, he's there. And God, our Father in heaven, he loves us. And you know, more than anything, God wants us to learn to trust him. Trust, us, trust him for salvation, certainly, based on what Christ has done at the cross. But trust him on a moment-by-moment, day-to-day basis to walk out of here, like what Brother Stone was talking about this morning, to walk out of here and take God with you. And leaning on him, trusting him, and Man, it's such a good feeling when you when you see things uh, happen and you know it's God doing it, God doing it. And you can do that. You can learn to do that. And and so when you hear things like this, because see the world is still full of these loudmouth, arrogant, mean-spirited people. That, the, you know, there's dime a dozen, and it uh, all stratas of life and uh, uh, you know <laughs> uh, I was just thinking you know even when I've hired some of them even <laughs> and I found out rather quickly oh that, so you're that kind of guy okay and uh, but uh, the thing is is you don't have to let people like this intimidate you run over you and to ruin your your day, your life, your week, your month, ever. Just get yourself away from somebody like this. But the thing is, you can learn to call on the Lord. Call on him. Now, look, I want you to just continue to read here because this is so pertinent to not only what's going on in the world today, and I hope and pray that there are good Christian people there in Ukraine, and, I, and Brother Rick told me there's some folks here that have kin folks over there. And I'm sure they have people over there that, that are saved. And they're doing a lot of praying. Well, now let's look here. Verse 31. Hearken not to Hezekiah, for thus saith the king of Syria, Make an agreement with me by a present, and come out to me. And then eat ye every man of his own vine, and every one of his fig tree, and drink every one of the waters of his cistern. Now, Look at, but stop for a second. If I would have been there, I would have said, well, we're already doing that, Hoss. 
we don't need you to help us do that. I, believe, I, I, I think I would have a hard time being resistant to say that. But it probably wouldn't make it matter, but that's okay. <laughs> but anyway, he goes on to say, listen, until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of corn and wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of oil, olive and of honey, that you may live and not die, and hearken not unto Hezekiah when he persuaded you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. So first of all, anybody in here believe that guy was telling the truth? The first thing would happen to him be a big old shackle on their feet. Chains. Walking in a line, dragging chains. Thousands of them in chains, going away to slavery. I mean, that's just, that's exactly what these kind of people, they're, they're liars. And, uh, uh, and only people who are very foolish would ever believe somebody like this. And this is the kind of people that we're dealing with right away right now coming out of Russia. 33, verse 33. Have any, now listen to what he says here. Here's his next mistake. Have any of the gods of the nations delivered at all his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria. He has just compared the true and living God to whatever these other nations call their God. Man, you're talking about a mistake. That's a big one. That's the big one. Uh, what old Fred Sanford always used to grab his heart and say, Edith, this is a big one. Well, this is a big one for this guy. <clears throat> He just compared God to these false gods. And make no mistake about it, God, under, God knows what he's saying. And then he says, Where are the gods of, the, of Hamath and of Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvin, Hena, and Ava? Have they delivered Samaria out of mine hand? mocking and absolutely comparing the true and living God to these false gods. You know, first of all, he didn't even realize what Hezekiah had done when he took down all the groves and false uh, gods and got rid of them. And then he comes along and then he compares <clears throat> the true and living God to a bunch of false gods in these other lands that he's overran. It's a truth, no doubt. He, he overran all of them. He sure did. He's, he's had himself a real good run. Never lost a battle. Did you know, you say, well, well that's really unusual. Well, and that's not quite as unusual as you think it was. You know, when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, you know the last time they had lost a battle? A battle, not a war. 3,000 years prior to Pearl Harbor. That's kind of scary, huh? Now, <clears throat> But uh, you see, you say, well, <clears throat> you see, the thing is, they had never attacked the nation that trusted in the true and living God. They'd been off over there in Asia, where unfortunately they were all, if they had a God, it'd be a false God. And many times they put our missionaries to death or put them in jail and didn't listen. And, and because and then it cost them. But when they came over and jumped on this country, the nation that trusted in the true and living God, a big difference, big difference. And that's exactly what's happened here. Same thing. Now, verse 35, Who are they among all the gods of the countries? that have delivered their country out of mine hand, that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand. This guy is really, really making huge mistakes. But the people held their peace. Hezekiah told them, don't say a word. Don't, don't say a word. They held their peace, answered him not a word, for the king's commandment was saying, answer him not. Then came Elikim, the son of Hilkiah, 
which was over the household in Sheba, the scribe, Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, Hezekiah, with their clothes rent, and told him the words of Rabshakeh. Now, these guys are, are for a good reason, are very upset. They're frightened, to be honest with you, because here is an army outside their gates that's never lost a battle, ever. And he just reviewed that with them. And so you want to look at a desperate situation? And they did not have an army that was capable of standing up against this. They didn't even want him close. You know, that's why he said, I'll give you 2,000 horses if you can put riders on them. 2,000, not 180,000. See, he knew their situation. And then continue to read verse 19, uh, chapter 19. And it came to pass when King Hezekiah heard it that he rent his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and went into his house and turned on the television. That ain't what he did. He went into the house of the Lord. Now, I talked earlier about World War II, how the people of England and the people of this country did the exact same thing. Now, we know the outcome. Because, you know, we sit in this room, we forget that the United States had to fight two nations, not one. You know, England, now I'm not saying England had a, because England, we can thank God for England because they stood by themselves for about 18 months over against old Hitler. But they just fought Germany. We fought Germany and Japan, two of them. And God gave us victory over both of them because our people went like this into the house of the Lord. Now, again, I want to say, Those of you who are young and got your lives in front of you, you can learn from this. This is what you do when things do not look good at all. He's up against somebody that's never lost a battle. Forget about a war. And he doesn't have a, an army anywhere near like what this guy's got. And so what did he do? It's real important to pay attention to what he did because you're going to find out it made a difference. And it also made a difference here in our own country just about 70 years ago. He went into the house of the Lord, and he sent Elohim, which was over the household, and Shibna, the scribe, and the elders of the priests, covered with sackcloth to Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amos. And they said unto him, Thus saith Hezekiah, this day is a day of trouble and a rebuke and blasphemy for the children are come to the birth and there are not strength to bring forth. And certainly he, he never spoke a more truer statement than that. They don't have enough strength to, to handle this. It may be the Lord thy God will hear it. And, you know, it's unfortunate that Hezekiah didn't say it may be that the Lord our God he didn't have not have a close enough relationship with the Lord to even say, our God. He said, thy God. Now, you say, well, why, why, why are you pointing that out? Well, because I know how Satan works. You get into a situation, and it's desperate, and, it, and it's, you don't know which way to turn, and, and, and you don't have the resources to deal with this problem, and you're, you, you, you're just beside yourself. And Satan's going to tell you, God's not going to listen to you. You haven't done this, you haven't done that, and this and that, and you know how God is. You know, you got to be perfect and all that kind of stuff. Well, Satan's a liar is what he is. Amen. You can always trust God. Look, you know, I wish I could tell you that God could always trust me to always be on God's side in every issue, 
everything that I've done in my life. I haven't been. I'm a sinner just like you are. And we make mistakes. Well, Satan's real good about reminding you of all of that, especially when he brings a situation that's desperate in your life, like what this is. So that you won't do what Hezekiah just done. Go to the man of God. Well, see, thank God. There sits our Savior at the right hand of the Father. You can go straight to him. Now, I'm going to read something to you, and you don't have to go there. It's in Hebrews, book, Hebrews chapter 4. And, and I, I want you to listen to this because it's important that you know this, that God said this in his word. <clears throat> Seeing then that we have a great high priest. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you've been in a real tough situation and you said to yourself, oh, I'm so glad I've got Jesus, my great high priest. Have you even thought about that? Because that's who he is. You see, we don't have priests here on the earth. There are people that call themselves priests, but God did away with that. Because, you see, there's no need for a priesthood on earth anymore because there is the priest, Jesus, a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Well, this keeps on. Let's, let's read the rest of it. Remember this situation over here now. And, and, you know, when you have a desperate situation in your life, might as well just be as bad as this because something bad, you know, how, you can't ruin, ruin, right? Ruin, ruin. So if something's going to be ruined, but see, it doesn't have to be ruined. Because we have this great high priest. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Remember how Hezekiah felt? Tore his clothes and all that, and those other guys did the same thing. Man, these guys are scared. They're frightened. Well, the feeling of our weaknesses, shortcomings. So, our high priest, the first thing he says, I know how you feel. He doesn't just pat us on the head and say, look, just, just bring it to me, I'll, I'll handle it. No, he gets right down on our level and says, I know how you feel. But was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. You see, Jesus has experienced all this stuff that we go through here. You say, Jesus? You mean he had these kind? Yes. I don't know what problem. You don't even have to tell me what problem you got in your life. Uh, I can tell you that. Jesus, Jesus experienced it because he said he did but yet without sin. Now, and, and so let's see what the rest of it. Let us therefore, boy, it doesn't get any better than this. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. You know, every time I read that, I'm just amazed that God put that word boldly there. That would be like you or I just busting into the Oval Office of the president. And of course, the president ain't nothing like our high priest. And we wouldn't do that there at the Oval Office. And our high priest is far and away above that. And he says, come boldly. Come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. And it's so important that you see that word mercy sitting there first. 
Mercy is when he doesn't give us what we deserve. And then look what's next. Because see, Satan's going to be telling you, I'm going to tell you, and listen to me. Satan's going to constantly be telling you, you can't go to Jesus because you did this, you've been doing that, and on and on and on. I want you to remember this next time you hear that out of that liar. The first thing God's going to do is give you mercy. We're not going to get what we deserve. And find grace, that's when he gives us what we don't deserve. Yeah. He's going to help us even though we don't deserve it. Because he's our great high priest. To help in time of need. To help in time of need. And Satan will constantly be telling you he doesn't have time for you. And I know I'm about to run out of time. And, uh, but I'm going to wrap this up here pretty quick. But listen, Hezekiah, God's people, they're in trouble. They go to Isaiah and... Verse 6, look at verse 6 of chapter 19. And Isaiah said unto them, Thus shall you say to your master, Thus saith the Lord, Be not afraid of the words which thou hast heard, which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. You see, it means something to God that you're his child. God takes exception to Satan bringing his people against his children. He says over in the book of Matthew, you being evil would give good gifts to your children. How much more so I who am holy will give good gifts to mine. You say, what's that got to do with this? Well, he used that example of us doing good things for our children. And we're evil. How much more so you think a holy God would do for his children? You say, yeah, but I, I, I don't deserve. Listen, God doesn't give us what we deserve ever. Like what Brother Stone said this morning. If he did, we'd all be dead. Amen. That's what mercy and grace is about. Well, let's go to verse 14. And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went into the house of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And this is this big letter of threatening. And Hezekiah spread this, spread this letter out before the Lord. And verse 15, And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwelleth between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. Thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down thy ear and hear and open, Lord, thine eyes and see and hear the words of Sennacherib, which have sent him to reproach the living God of a truth, Lord. The kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations and their hands and their lands, and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they have destroyed them. A very good prayer and very correct. You know, isn't it wonderful? You can go to the God and you can just talk to him. Straightforward. You don't have to dress it up. Now, verse 19. Now, therefore, O Lord, our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. And see, I want you to remember that Hezekiah Ask God to do this so that his name would be praised. Now, if you can learn anything from this tonight, outside of take your problems to the Lord, our Heavenly Father and our High Priest, also learn this, that you want these things for a purpose, that God's name will be honored and glorified in your life. All the days of your life. And don't ever be reticent. To tell someone, someone asked you, I, I had a young man ask me just this week about this and that and all this, about my company and all that. And 
I started talking about, you know, I started with this truck and all that kind of stuff, and then I remember I said, well, make no mistake about it. I couldn't have done nothing without God. Amen. He looked at me like he never heard something like that. But they need to hear stuff like that. People need to hear the truth about our God. This is not just a history lesson. This is current. You can trust God just like Hezekiah did. Okay, verse 20. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, That which thou hast prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, have I heard. And this, this, this is God speaking. This is a word that the Lord hath spoken concerning him. The virgin, the daughter of Zion, hath despised thee and laughed thee to scorn. The daughter of Jerusalem hath shaken her head at thee. Whom thou hast reproached and blasphemed, and against whom thou hast exalted thy voice and lifted up thine eyes on high, even against the Holy One of Israel. Verse 27. But I know thy abode and thy going out and thy coming in and thy rage against me. Man, oh man, oh lie. You talking about somebody's made a big mistake. That's this guy. God says, I know right where you live, Austin. I know your address. And I'm coming for you. He says, because thy rage against me and thy tumult has come up into my ears, therefore I will put my hook in thy nose and my bridle in thy lips, and I will turn thee back by the way by which thou camest. Verse 32, therefore thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city, nor shoot not even an arrow there, nor come before it with a shield, nor cast a bank against it. By the way that he came... By the same shall he return, and shall not come into this city, saith the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Now, I want you, David's sake, okay? Who is our Savior? The lineage of David, Jesus Christ. You see, you say, yeah, but... David, well, I don't have that. Yes, you do have a connection with David. Jesus is your Savior. But the lineage of David. And what did the Lord say? And, and, and David was certainly a great king. And God loved him. And still blessing Israel because of him. What do you think he thinks of Jesus? That's your Savior. Boy, you see, when you go to God, there is no power beyond that. You're safe. You're safe. Verse 35, and it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred and fourscore and five thousand and when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. And so Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went and returned and dwelt at Nineveh. And it came to pass, as he was worshiping in the house of Nisroch, his god, that Adrimelech and Sharezer, his son, smote him with the sword, and they escaped into the land of Armenia, and Eshadon, his son, reigned in his stead. So, it all came to naught. All that giant army and all that stuff, boom. Our God, our Savior, took care of them. And he's there to take care of you, take care of me, every day, of every moment, of the week, of the month, of the years of our lives. We have not a high priest in heaven which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all ways tempted as we are, yet without sin. So therefore come boldly before the throne, the throne of mercy and grace for help in time of need. Amen. Just like what Hezekiah did, God heard his prayers, and God mightily delivered them. God mighty delivered us out of the hands of the Japanese and the Germans. 
and God has mightily delivered us many a times. There are people in this, as we found in 9-11, there are people in this world that hate this country. They hate this country. And they want to see it destroyed. And we are always be prayerful to our God that he preserve this country and preserve the Christian way of life in this nation. Because make no mistake about it, it is that and that alone that has kept this nation strong, that has prospered this nation. Now, you know, tonight I wanted to bring this because, you know, we live in troubled times, and they're not easy answers, but there are answers. And my friend, we have studied tonight the answer. It is the answer. We have a throne that the average person doesn't have access to. The child of God has access to it. And, and that person can be anybody if he will trust in the blood work of Jesus Christ. If you're here tonight and you know not Christ as your Savior, I would encourage you, I beg you, to listen to what you've heard here tonight and believe it's the truth. And you can have this help in your life as well. All you have to do is accept Christ as your Savior. And God is there for you for the rest of your life, all the days of life. And you know the good thing about it? He's going to be there with you as you pass on into death. Take your hand and take you right on into heaven. The grave has no hold on God's people. The grave does not have a hold on God's people. I mean, my friend, it is wonderful to be a child of the king. Amen. It is. So I'm going to ask you to all stand. And we're not going to have an invitation, but I will say this. Someone's here tonight and is lost. I'll be more than happy to talk to you about Christ. Brother Rick would have said as well. So that you can have these assets in your life. Because this is the asset. The one that you need. This is what Hezekiah knew about. So he took all those false gods down. And he knew Mr. Snickerib was in for a big surprise. And he, he, he did. He wound up being dead. Him and his whole nation. My friend, God wants to do for you what he's always done for his children down through the ages. He is there for you, and he'll be there for you day after day after day throughout your whole life. Okay, that's our lesson tonight, and I'll ask Brother Tim to close in a word of prayer. Dear Father, we love you.